I'm Gwen Douglas. This is Juice Podcast, and I'm Emily Harmon. Welcome to Juice Podcast. Today we're talking about natural, natural wine. wine. Yeah. So we were asked by quite a few of our our listeners. It's a little bit of a minefield trying to navigate your way through natural wine, right. even just down to the definition and understanding what that means. Particularly here in Berlin, the natural wine scene it's almost like Copenhagen, where every Every restaurant has a natural yes. wine list, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's so a lot what, of people confused. Right, and I think justifiably so. I think yeah. if you're coming from a conventional yeah. wine background, or the only wine you know is the stuff that your parents were drinking, or what you've been drinking for the last little while, it can be really confusing. So, what is natural wine as we know it? So... It's interesting. So I, I think I kind of follow the Alice Firing um, definition of what is natural wine because I kind of see her as the goddess of natural wine or at least oh, like the, the, the goddess communicator <laughs> of natural wine. Um, so it will be from grapes that have been, um, that have are usually from the producer's own vineyards, but not exclusively, but from vineyards where they, ha- where they haven't seen chemicals. So there's no use of chemical fertilizers, fungicides, pesticides. So organic in some sense, or in 100% Yeah, I mean, usually it's more than organic, because actually, legally, when you're organic, you can use a number of chemicals still in your vineyard. So it's kind of a bit of a a mixed... It's kind of... It's not always uh, as clear as we think it's going to be. Rather than an actual, like, term of production. It's more like an ethic that maybe producers are working with. Yeah, because uh, there's no legal definition of natural wine. So where with organic wine and biodynamic wine, in different parts of the world, there are different definitions uh, and different legal meanings of what that can entail. So legally, being organic, you can have or you can be organically certified. However, you can use copper in your vineyard, okay. whereas a lot of producers might query whether the use of copper is actually good for the soil health long term if you use excess of it yeah i guess copper is used a lot in a, in a lot of different uh purposes outside of it but i think it's one it of those is. things where like if you use it you know on a small scale within sure. reason it's fine but like if you're overdoing it then it, the soils can become toxic i mean i only know about the copper recently because i was looking up some anti-wrinkle pillows <laughs> what and they have copper inside yeah, oh like really silk made with copper yeah. so we should all be rubbing like little pennies on our faces yeah, before I mean, we go to bed get maybe. ready i'm gonna have like some sort of like penny chain mail well i think also <laughs> there's that that old wives tale which i'm sure more than one person's told me if you have a sty you can use copper to really to help oh, heal it but a copper penny yeah, rub yeah. a penny on your sty well, that's actually very interesting but anyway, so back to okay. back to what is biodynamic <laughs> wine. So biodynamic wine. Oh, sorry. What is natural, natural wine? wine? But actually, that's back to maybe a good yeah, lead so, into the next yes. topic. So biodynamic wine. Um, I guess the next stage on from organic wine, which is using the principles of Rudolf Steiner, who right. was the creator of biodynamics, not necessarily for the vineyard initially, but for farming right. in general. Um, so that's working with the cycles of the moon and the sun, so the planet, so taking consideration like the gravitational pull when the moon is closer and when it's apart uh, that there'll be certain days that are better i love the idea of biodynamics a because it works but it makes no sense in terms of like the universe has this like defies logic in many ways and i really love these systems that just work yeah and sometimes it's great to feel like we are little pawns in a giant 
universe. Well, you just have to spend a day at the beach and you realise that. Absolutely. No, I love it. But I think it's great yeah. because I think with biodynamics, people get really confused about cow horns filled with dung and all of this kind of stuff. They think it's really... Uh, new age, but I think that the vineyards speak for themselves. I think those who are being cynical call it new age, and I have in in the past maybe also understood that. But because it's very like it, you feel like maybe you'd be talking to somebody at Glastonbury sure. Festival yeah. <laughs> about biodynamic farming. <laughs> on the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. I think a lot of these vineyards are super healthy, and you see that there's like a ecosystem that's at work. Whereas I think in a lot of industrial vineyards, you don't see flowers and and life happening around yeah and, and it's very it's something that's very relevant for today because i think more and more when you go to food symposiums or you listen to different speakers at food symposiums depending whether they come from the chef world or they come from a farming world or they come from a vine growing world or a wine making world um everybody now is communicating about the importance of small scale farming right. and biodynamics is something that really embraces that because of course you can do it at a bigger scale but actually the human factor is very important I think it is. absolutely um and actually agriculturally looking after our soils is is more important than ever because actually we have the poorest so- soils than we've ever had because sure. they're polluted and they've been neglected and they've we've been just abused. Like pulled too much out of them. Yeah, we've yeah. abused these soils. We haven't like given them life back, and we forget that an ecosystem is what helps drive everything. If everything is in balance, then that one thing you're trying to grow. Data that we do have is not communicated enough as the, the communication, communication of yeah, right. this data, this scientific data we have of chemical farming and the danger of it. Like I was listening to a podcast recently. Um, the Goop podcast. Yeah, oh, I was just talking about... Uh, which was fascinating, and it was so interesting about, um, you know, like Roundup, the use of Roundup. Yeah, so um, for a long time, I know that vineyards have had Roundup used on them. The Roundup ends up in the wine, so we end up consuming totally. it, and that ends up in our bodies. Yeah. And I found that really fascinating, that last episode on, on Goop that I'd listened to, where it talked about how basically by consuming things like Roundup, you're actually changing your own DNA and the future DNA. I mean, and you're reduce- we could, we could get really crazy. heavy about this shit. Yeah. Because, I mean, in pharma- pharmacology across the board, our DNA has been changed by a lot of well, major medications. I found it absolutely shocking. The sperm count and fertility uh, rates are going down and down and down and down. And that's directly linked with what we're consuming. I mean, that's I, absolutely mad. Part of me is kind of fascinated by this because I sometimes think, like, is this Darwinism in practice? Like, have we created this? Maybe yeah. maybe it's also necessary. Yeah. That, I mean, would be the other way to look at it, is that well, nature just... has a funny way of finding balance, even when we don't see it. So let's keep our sperm counts high <laughs> and our wine glasses full. <laughs> of natural wine. <laughs> but natural wine. <laughs> but, so um, the, the way to go is definitely to, like, yeah. take care of our soil and make good fruit. So going back to that definition of what, um, of what natural wine is, so... Um, Obviously, it has to come from high-quality grapes, which means right. not using Organically those chemicals. Yeah, at least, like, I think, without the use of chemicals right. in the vineyard. Um, and then uh, those high-quality grapes that have come into the wine cellar, the winemaker then obviously has a number of different choices that they can make. So it's very, very common, uh, even when you see an organic wine on the right. shelf, in supermarkets because like i said earlier we were discussing what to talk about and i said my first experience with a lot of quote-unquote natural wines was probably what was being sold to me in sort of bio markets or yes. organic supermarkets yep. and a lot of it is not that great mm. because their selling point is that it's just mm. organic 
I mean, so the fruit is grown organically, but I don't know what happens to the grape beyond that. Exactly. And so this is actually very common between... that you could see that these, you know, particularly in sort of South America, there are big producers where it's very easy to farm organically because the climate's perfect right, for it. Right, exactly. And then, of course, all of the grapes get into the cellar and then the way in which the wines are made is very different. So that could just be by adding, um, you know, synthetic or cultivated yeasts. Right to manipulate the flavour or to control the, the fermentation process. That's, I mean, and that's kind of like best case scenario, just adding yeast. Yeah, because I was going to say, do you, are there producers making, say, wines out of organically farmed grapes that are then like wood chipping and doing like big box style? Does that exist? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it does because I'm less informed on that very I mean, industrial I'm side of things. I like a in the Americas or in some of the places where things just grow abundantly, that there is a possibility to grow organic grapes and then still produce wines big box style. Yes, I mean, you do... I mean, the short answer is, like, we still see bag-and-box wines made from big cooperatives that are are saying that they're organic and you can taste that the wines are still industrially made. Right. So I think, one, there's the addition of yeast to manipulate flavour, control the fermentation process. Um... Then there is like a number of different things that could also be added, enzymes, different things to help control the way in which the wine ferments. It could be um, things that are added that can help reduce the alcohol, right. things that you can add, obviously the basic thing of adding sugar to increase right. the alcohol, adding, adding acid, deacidifying. Kind of, yeah, right. Yeah, all Absolutely. of these different things. And there are, you know, like when we Numerous talk... Numerous amounts of things. Yeah, and when we talk about winemaking, I think we've got over 100 different additives that you can add that are chemicals. And that's not... Again, this is also not a new thing. Early 90s, like before World War One, it was quite common to right. have these wines produced in the natural wine way. So just going because back to that definition yeah, of natural right. wine, natural so wine farming without chemicals, not adding yeast, not deacidifying, sort of whatever was naturally in the taking naturally existing yeasts, not putting pesticides. Yeah, because grapes. Then, everybody yeah. needs to remember that grapes ferment. They have on an abundant. If you're not chemically farming, you're not yeah. destroying that natural yeast layer on the outside of the right. grape. Which means that when you go to make the wine, the you've got this strong yeast yeah, culture, yeah. which then you can ferment the and wine. What grows with. together goes together. So yeah. whatever's happening, yeah. generally, can be good for what's happening in the cellar. Totally. So then we've got that, and then we've got like just going back before we go into the history of things a little bit more, just so everybody's on the same page. Because I know we're sort of getting further along in the definition and not really making it to the end. <laughs> that that famous uh, saying of. Uh, nothing added nothing taken away which is really important so the wines are usually unfined and unfiltered so sometimes can appear cloudy however unfiltered and unfined wines also can be clear so that depends what the winemaker's done in the cellar how long they've kept the wine in the cellar that it can naturally settle and i had that question recently at a wine training they're like why is this why is it not cloudy if it's unfiltered and i was like oh well that's a really good question actually producing the wine so that's one thing and then when we get to the bottling process um i mean the big question is about sulfur Sulfur. dioxide so of course everybody thinks sulfur is evil and i actually know and this is this is actually like for a lot of say my friends that are not necessarily like into wine sulfur becomes the big the big question and i get annoyed because I think that historically a little bit of sulfur has been used to make it transportable. Yes. Yes. And I think that sometimes, depending on what wine, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that a little bit sometimes needs to be used to just keep it stable. Yes. And it's going to be a choice based on what the wine is like. 
Some wines can go without sulfur. Some need a little bit, otherwise it's a hot mess. Mm. But I'm going to let you answer that. The super purist probably would say zero sulfur. I think a small amount of sulfur at bottling is fine. And Alice Faring also says low or no. Yeah, right. So very small amount, um, and everybody judges that slightly differently. So a little bit of sulfur sometimes is not a bad thing. We have to also remember sulfur's not the enemy here. No, I also don't think so. Sulfur is an antioxidant and it's also an antibacterial. So it stops the wine from oxidising, so it's, it protects the wine from oxygen and spoiling, but it also kills a lot of germs. When used moderately, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I want to remind people especially people that enjoy health food, that there's a ton of sulfur in dried nuts, dried fruits. More than any bottled wine right. as well. So this is sort of like something that annoys me when someone says, oh, but there's sulfur added, and it's like, man, I just saw you mow down on like a whole bag of like dried, dried apricots or dried nuts. And it's like, I think people become hyper aware of one product because people want to talk about it but no one talks about the sulfur in other foods and unfortunately there have been people communicating that sulfur is the most important thing and actually it's not it's not I, yeah I agree it's not because actually for me I would prefer to the farming for me is I'd also the more prefer important. yeah I would prefer yeah. to have something uh, that's been grown at the very minimum organically in Absolutely. the vineyard I agree that has you. less impact on, on our environment and our soil and our water um, I absolutely 100% agree Then what's manipulated in the cellar. And I always choose wines based on the quality of the wines. 99% of the time, they're from vineyards that are the very minimum right. organic. Because the quality of the fruit has to be there to make the quality yeah, of the wine. It's the beginning of the product. Yes. You know, you, know, you can't make a good product without a good yeah. initial product. The, the biggest thing that I've heard is, I'm allergic to sulfur. Which I, I think want to punch people. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I would love to see you eating that granola bar. Mm. <laughs> or any of the products that you buy at the supermarket. Because sulfur is an agent that's used to stabilize a lot of products. But I think that there but, are so many things that people just like pinpoint on and they just want to be a little bit... But the sulfur thing, I think as well, it's interesting because... Yeah, because I've seen it. And I have. I have friends that like when you drink, they're drinking wine, they get sort of like red blotches sort of coming up on the face and the neck and it's not just a histamine that's exactly what I was going to say often it is so more nine times out of ten I say to people that come into restaurants or talk to me about their reaction to wine I say just take an antihistamine or claritin and then drink some wine and see if it changes anything because I also wonder because drinking natural wines because they're unfined and unfiltered sometimes I don't know for sure but like they might not necessarily have less histamine. No, actually, either. they might have more. Yeah, so it's, it's quite an interesting thing. Product. Yeah, but I think this too because I think a lot of think, times people say, "Well, I get a reaction." I think, you know, there are more histamines in like the heavier red wines. So I usually tell friends to steer towards lighter red wines, which or would white suit wines. the natural wine movement a bit more because right. I do steer on freshness. But then it's sort of like, yeah, I mean, it, it might have nothing to do with sulfur or any of the mm. stuff. It could be. Uh, your hereditary background it could be all kinds of things that bring up flushes you just might be allergic to booze (laughs) it might not just be sulfur (laughs) you might be shit out of luck people say wine makes itself (laughs) and I find that quite interesting because they go oh everything you need to make wine is in the berry which is correct however if you just left grapes on the plant and you didn't pick them it would be a hot mess Oh, no, you just wouldn't have wine. Like, 
wine is a man-made thing. Like I mean, there is be, a symbiosis. It's the same as saying like apple juice makes this up. You don't just put like apples on a tree and be like, I'm going to have a glass of juice tomorrow. Like it's not going to like juice itself, filter itself, or orange yeah. juice. Most people don't like orange juice with pulp. Yeah. So someone has to squish it and filter out the pulp bee bits. Yeah. So I think. I think that's absolute madness. It's not wine is something that is made by people. It's not honey. Like this, yeah. we are the bees. We are the honeybees. Yes. We have to turn it into something. Yes. 100%. We are the honeybees of wine. What is the difference between then natural and biodynamic? The biodynamics is following along the path of Rudolf Steiner's principles, so working with the lunar cycles of the earth. Right. So the gravitational pull, the influence of that on plants, on humans, and that's something that I, something I have acknowledged in there are certain days or certain times of the year and certain times of the lunar cycle where you do like, and also atmospheric pressure has another thing to that's do with it all as well. That's actually very interesting, yeah. Um, you know, we're humans. Like, we know, like, if it's humid and it feels very heavy outside we feel a uh, really different feeling to when it's like when it's not humid and it feels light and Especially it feels bright those, and those of us that get headaches atmospheric yeah. pressure can yeah. be if we're sensitive to that kind of stuff it's working with the cycles of the earth and it's a little bit like i guess this is something that's almost medieval actually it's rudolf steiner put it into words but actually it was something that existed far beyond him um, when you read about like feudal systems right. and how they farmed and what they farmed and and again, it goes back to the small-scale farming and working on um, fixing certain things and certain nutrients in the soil. Because I so, think a lot of us have watched these documentaries where there's this like cow horn filled with dung and some other it up again, because I think there's some interesting things that we see and we don't quite understand. There's that side of it. There's also um, learning that there's particular times of the month that you'll do certain things because of this gravitational pull. And then, yeah, like you said before about these cow horns, so Formula 500, 501... Um, so one is that we you would get you'd be making your own compost, which of course is great because compost is great. We want worms, we want soil life, we want the microbiome to be as healthy as possible. Um, as everybody knows, it's really important. So we would be compacting compost into a cow's horn and then burying that in the ground. And then apparently, like, you'd only bury so many of them over a square meter. So it's a way of adding life. Apparently, yeah. Like, apparently so, you don't need to add very many of these horns. So it's interesting because this came up recently at a vegan restaurant I was at. And then there was, a, like, a customer that was saying, well, if they're using that cow horn, it's not. Like, not it's vegan. an animal product. Is it vegan or not? But did the cow die by a man's Again, hand? Again, I don't... Did it die naturally? Yeah, I mean, That's, it's another question I mean, that question would be the case of it being vegan or not, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone draws a different line in the same. And then there are things like tea tinctures, different things like that. So a homeopathic approach uh, to treating the vineyards, really. Cool. Very interesting. How do we bring it back to the consumer? This idea of like, so now we know a little bit of like what natural is and what biodynamic is. Then what do people ask for, I guess? How do, how do you, can you see these wines on a menu? Is there a difference? Are they going to be listed exactly the same? How do you ask for a natural wine in a, in a restaurant? Yeah, if you're uh, new, if you're new to this, I think it's still really something. difficult. I mean, luckily now there's there is an app called Raisin, like Raisin. Yeah, 
which has a list of some natural wine places, although it's not, I don't think it's so up to date. Like, I've tried to add places into the app. I've done the same. And it doesn't accept them, and it's really annoying. So it's like, it's, it's completely not up to date. It's a bit out of date with multiple cities, but that's a good starting point of ideas right. of places to find them. Googling, like, natural wines, finding them on Instagram. And I think that, I th- I'm guessing from what I'm seeing, is that most places that, if they're trying to attract people that are into natural wines, they're making a list that is nature. Yeah. Na- nature wines. I mean, we had it the It'll other day. It'll be on their pizzeria. website, yeah. usually. I mean, we had it the other day at a pizzeria that, here in Berlin where they have a conventional wine list, and then on the specials menu, they have two natural wines. So then they're, like, in a little box, natural natural wines. Yeah. And it says nature on it. Well, good, good independent wine shops are the best place to learn for most of the things you want to learn about wines. You just need to go in there, talk to them. Have you got any natural wines? Yeah, okay, with this, blah, blah, blah. And then, you you know, you can sort of follow the guidance of staff there and t- and take it from there. And I would also say that understanding that all natural wines are not made the same. Yes. That every winemaker's choice, because he's like an artist deciding what he wants to use, paintbrushes or palettes or scalpels or whatever, he's doing how, he's making his wine however he wants in his natural way. And remember that vintage to vintage also varies much more because using wild yeast or not using selected yeast that are giving the exact same fermentation, the exact same flavors every year. So from year to year, the wine might change, but that's also part of the the joy of it. Yeah, Yeah, that's also the part of life. Like every day is different in life. Like every day you wake up, you feel different. It's more exciting, I think, to try vintages than when you know it's going to be completely different. And from good producers of natural wine, like... Even though there are vintage variations, the wines are still well made, right? right? So you shouldn't, hopefully, when you navigate and you find yourself in in the right place, we're still struggling because there are a lot of terribly made natural wines yes. that are awful and undrinkable. Yes. And everybody totally. goes, and you go to a natural wine bar and they go, oh, this is but how the natural. wine's supposed to be. And you're like, actually... I think this is a horrible accident. <laughs> yeah, or, or sommeliers that don't know, okay, this wine shouldn't taste like rotting whatever it shouldn't yeah. taste like it's like like something that's gone off it shouldn't taste like vinegar but I think that in this sense maybe this is what's exciting about natural wine because maybe actually it makes people actually use their palates instead of having to trust what everyone is telling you it really comes down to do you love it do you love it not what people are telling you what do you think yeah do you enjoy drinking it do you enjoy sharing it with your friends Maybe in the end, this is a way for everyone, like an equalizer. You can go in and try something and say, like, I really like this. Yeah, and you should also be able to say, if you feel you're in a place and the wine doesn't taste right, and somebody goes, this is just how the wine is, you should also feel okay to go, well, I really don't like this wine. Please give me something else instead. Yes, yes, yes. That's really important because I think that's something I'm infuriated with, with sommeliers at the moment. This is one of the greatest lessons you've taught me, Emily, actually, is to sometimes say... Because I'm an absolute people pleaser and I'm too shy sometimes to send something back when I know it's awful because I don't want to embarrass anybody. And you're right. If it's if I don't like it, it's okay to say, I don't like it. Yeah. Send it back. No, do no not sit there and drink the glass of wine that you do not enjoy. Do not allow a sommelier to shame you yeah, into right drinking that, that glass because you're you told know you know less. less. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's really important because... I know from working in the fucking restaurant, so I've been self-employed now for four years, just over four years, but before that, 10 years working in restaurants, a whole decade. Your job when you work in a restaurant 
whether you're a waiter, whether you're a KP, whether you're a chef, whether you're a sommelier, whether you're the general manager, doesn't matter if you're the bottom of the chain, the top of the chain. Your job is to create the best experience to look after people and make them feel amazing. That's why people go out to restaurants. Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, and, you need it home and then get your boyfriend to yell at you. And if, <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you go out and somebody makes you feel uncomfortable and makes you feel forced to drink something you don't enjoy, if they don't take back a dish that you think is not correct, like as far as I'm concerned, these are places you should never yeah, return to and I'm you should not you. give Keep your money to. So find the places where people are willing to give you the right experience. It's really important. I'm down with that. Yeah. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our little chat about natural wine. Yeah, we got into quite a long chat about it. We got into it, it I know. <laughs> we really got into it. No, I think it's good because I think it's like yeah. a topic of the moment. I think a lot of people have a lot of questions. Yeah. I'd be curious if anyone has more questions, you can find us at Podcast on Instagram. Juice underscore podcast on Twitter. You can find our website at juice.show. Please send us any and all questions. We'd love to hear if we haven't covered anything. And otherwise, we hope that you are fierce and fearless in your exploration of natural wine. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much. Thanks, Emily.